What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Chicago has a vibrant storytelling scene. There are public radio events like The Moth and Mortified. And there's more independent stuff like The Stoop and Grown Folk Stories. And there's like a hundred other storytelling shows at bars and event spaces in the city on any given night. Now, if you've ever been to one of these shows, you may have seen Nestor Gomez. Nestor has won the night at the Moth literally dozens of times. I look at my sister, and she was looking at me in such a loving way that I realized I already have somebody who loves me. Thank you. He's like a storytelling master slash authority slash man of letters. I actually went to the moat last night and I told a story about uh, one of my dogs and I won the slam last night, so. <laughs> Congratulations. No big deal. I just won a slam last night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it happens, you know. Starting off, it was not easy for Nestor. As a teenager in the 80s, he came to the U.S. undocumented. He endured a lot of hardship, including some that led him down a path of self-harm. These days, storytelling is just one of his gigs. He works at a manufacturing company by day and tells stories by night. And he's turned those wins at the moth into a lot of things. A storytelling teaching career, a book about his days driving with rideshare companies called Your Driver Has Arrived, and even a recent one-man show at Steppenwolf. I was lucky enough to see that show, and then I had to bring him on to this show. So today we're going to get to know Nestor, the boss Gomez, starting with his early days growing up in Guatemala. We used to make watermelon worried dolls. Uh, my family uh, made a living by fabricating watermelon worried dolls that we used to take to the airport to sell to the, um, the white people. <laughs> yes. The tourists that came to, <laughs> to Guatemala. What is this? Tell me, what is this that you made? Hold on. Give me one second. Okay. Oh, okay. Describe this. What are you holding? Uh, it's a little tiny doll that is made with the attire of the Mayan people of Guatemala. And the kid is supposed to tell the worries or the problems to the doll and then put it underneath the pillow in the middle of the night. The parent comes in the middle of the night and takes the doll away. It's there for taking the worry away. Oh. And we used to make them a little bit bigger because the bigger that you make them, the more money that you make. So this is how my family <laughs> made a living. And I still have a couple of dolls with me in my car, in my office and at home to remind me where I come from, to always remind me where I come from. Wow. So did you make did you make those dolls too with your family? Uh everybody in the family participated in the making of those dolls when we were in Guatemala. Uh as soon as you start learning how to walk, you start learning how to work. <laughs> so Wow. That's how we made a living in Guatemala. But because of the civil war, uh the dolls weren't selling that well. Mm. So my parents we couldn't make a living anymore and my parents decided to come to the United States. The plan was for them to come here for a couple of years and then go back to Guatemala. But uh, the situation just kept getting worse in Guatemala. And that's when my mother decided that it was better to bring us to the United States. Yeah. So tell me about that that process. So your parents went to the United States. They came back to get you or did you have to go with someone else? 
my mother sent my father back to Guatemala to help us on the travel because we were going to come here undocumented. We were not going to get, you know, oh, get on an airplane and go go to the airport. <laughs> we, <laughs> we decided to take the long road. So my father went back to Guatemala to bring us to the United States, and we crossed the border through Mexico and Guatemala, and then from from Mexico to the United States. So tell me about yourself as a kid. Like, what kind of kid were you? Were you like pretty? Uh, like, were you like a ham? Were you more quiet? Like, tell no, me. I was a total nerd. Uh-oh. I was uh, since I stutter. I used I used to stutter really badly, so I couldn't talk. And I was always I'm only five feet, two inches tall. So. Uh, when people ask me how how tall are you, I say uh, how tall I'm not. <laughs> so I was always the shortest kid in the class, and I was the youngest kid in the class, and I had a stutter, okay. so I was very shy. So in many ways, I did not have a voice at all. Uh, I didn't have a voice because I stuttered, and I didn't have a voice because I didn't know the language. And it took many years for me to get over my stuttering. At times, I still stutter. Sometimes when I get really emotional, I stutter a little bit. Uh, I speak English now, but I speak English with a sexy Latino accent. <laughs> and so, so I used to, because I couldn't speak, I couldn't communicate, I used to hide in the books. I used to write a lot and I used to read a lot. Mm. Um, did you write stories? I wrote poetry. You wrote I wrote poetry. one story. I wrote one story one time and I showed it to an uncle of mine who was an, a teacher and educator. And people of Guatemala are not like, you know how here they tell you, like, oh, you could be everything you could dream. Over there is like, oh, you did this. Like, I was a little kid and my, and my uncle really like killed my story. Oh. It's like, the dialogue is, makes no sense. <laughs> there is no plot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should never write any stories again. Oh, man. Well, we, obviously, we can laugh about that now. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure it was not funny uh, at the time, but look at you now. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 have, I, I think I have come a long way. Yes, absolutely. Um, tell me about the first time you got on stage and performed. About eight, nine years ago, I went to a poetry slam. I wanted to call one of my poems. I went to the Green Mill, to the poetry slam. Oh, yeah, the Green, the green Mill. Mill. That's right. Yes. I the green and Mill. I signed up for it. I, I had I had seen a, a great Chicago poet, uh, Louis Stubbins, told some poems in, in here in Chicago. Okay. And he inspired me to go to the Green Mill. I put my name in the uh, in the list, but then when they when they were about to call me, I say, oh, oh, wait, all my poetry is in Spanish, and I, I haven't translated this, and all this is in English. So I didn't go up. I chickened out. I took my name out. <gasps> but at the Green Mill, there was a flyer for the mob. And me and my wife went to the mob for the first time. And I saw an amazing storyteller by the name of Archie Arjen Jumjum. He's an amazing storyteller here in Chicago. Because okay. his story was basically uh, the story about an, uh, the descendant of an immigrant. So I could relate to his story very mm-hmm. easy. And I I remember so I was sitting in the audience and I told, I told my wife, oh, I could do that. And she's like, yeah, you could. I'm like, I could be good at it. And she's like, yeah, you could. I'm like, and I could win. And she's like, okay, now you need to calm down. <laughs> but she bought me a ticket for the mod uh, for my birthday. And I went to the mod to tell my story. I, I also almost chicken out to go to the mod because I figured, you know, nobody's going to listen to my stories. Uh, people are not going to understand my accent. They're not going to relate to my stories. And I heard Lily B, who's another yes. amazing storyteller here in Chicago, tell a story of the mod radio hour. She was talking about Humble Park, Mangos, her abuela. And I'm like, well, if she's done this, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And I went up there, I told my story, and I won. The first time that I told a story, I won. Wow. 
Wow, that's a that's a great representation matters story. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> You call yourself Nestor the Boss Gomez. Can you tell me a story behind behind that name? Yes, the, the name was given to me by a producer of the mock. Uh, I told a story at a mock slam, and he was very impressed by the story. He was like, you, you're the boss, you're the boss. And, <laughs> and at that time, I had won the mock 10 times, which is something nobody had done ever in Chicago. And, and he was like, you're the boss, you're the boss. And when he told me that I was the boss, it sounded like the the, the boss sounds like the word in Spanish, voice. In Spanish, when you say voice, you say boss. And for many years, I didn't have a voice. So to have a voice, to be the boss, to be the voice of my community, of, my, of the immigrant people, it meant a lot. To me, it means that I'm from Guatemala and that I have a voice and that I am the voice of my community. It's a double double meaning. Double meaning. Yeah. I'm a writer. What can I say? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You seem pretty similar on stage as you do off stage. Um, silly, funny. Very much real, oh, thank though, you. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is this is a talent within itself. I've had to work at this, you know, as a person who's like, I'm in front, but then I have to, like, try to keep that continuity and authenticity. Um, and it's not easy. And I wonder, how do you how do you maintain the consistency between Nestor on stage and Nestor off stage? I had a conversation with somebody yesterday uh, who told a story at the mod and he wanted to he wanted some pointers of how to get, get his story and tell him to the next level. Mm. And uh, one of the main things that me and another storyteller that was there, uh, his name is James Gordon, an amazing storyteller. I learned so much from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we told um, this other storyteller that was asking that question is what that when we tell a story, we try to tell a story. In although we might be in front of an audience of a thousand people, a hundred people, maybe a dozen people, we try to tell a story as if I'm telling a story to a group of friends in the middle of my living room. Mm. I try to make it. Like I'm talking to a group of friends. Yeah. And and that's why you see when you right, right now that we're having a conversation, you see the same person as I was on stage. Because I try to be the person. I try to bring my real self to the to the stage. I'm not like acting out, uh, or, or or I'm I'm not like an actor. I, I I don't I don't consider myself an actor. Okay. Um but I try to bring that part of my life into the stage mm. as as if I'm having a conversation with a group of friends. Yeah. No, that's helpful. Sometimes I uh, I bring up a picture of a homie when I'm <laughs> when I'm reading <laughs> reading my introductions and stuff, so that I can act like I'm talking to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that resonates yeah. for sure. Um, you you tell you talk so much about about the driving and and you know that's a, a lot of the context that I have for you. And I wonder if you wanted to share one of the stories, maybe a story from your ride chair driving days that you just would never forget. There was a time I was driving during the. Um, winter uh, vortex it was ah. really cold i remember it was really cold and i was driving on michigan avenue and i was like i'm just gonna go home because it just it doesn't make any sense for me to you know because there, there wasn't nobody on the street and I, I was on michigan and roosevelt and there was a man walking on michigan 
So I pull over and I and I ask him like, "Where are you going? Uh, do do you need help? Because he, he, you know it was it, it was the winter budget. So he's like, "No, I just I, I just don't have my wallet." And he was on his way to to Michigan and Chicago. And I told him like, "Well, do you have the application?" Because I'm heading north, and yeah. he's like, "No, I don't, I don't have an application. I, I don't have a phone." So I gave him a ride uh, to to his house and. And then he tried to go into his house and give me some money. And I told him, like, there was no need for it because I was, uh, he was traveling on the way where I was traveling. And I just, I just wanted him to pay forward. Yeah. Because I had gotten, I uh, had gotten help from people. I had gotten help yes. from strangers. And that, 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 that's the way that I was paying it. I was paying the help that I was given sometime. So I was hoping that he could pay it forward. Yeah. We we all need help sometimes, you know, and we don't know where where the help is gonna come from. But there was a time where I, where I didn't have any money, where I was broke, and if it wasn't because my mother had a house and she had a basement available, uh, and that I could live there for a few months, I would I would have been a homeless guy. Yeah, family is a big part of the stories that you tell. Um, one of your relatives at the show that I was at walked right up on stage at the end of the show and hugged you. Um, and, you know, said, said, I love you, you know, um, was, who was that? Can I ask? That was my mom. That was your mother. Yes. That was my mom. Yeah. That was a very special moment, Nestor. Yeah. She's, uh, she's very special to me, of course. She's uh, a great part of my life and it's good to make her proud now. Uh, <laughs> but there have been moments where, uh, I, I haven't made her proud. Let's say she hasn't been so proud of it. And I, uh. I haven't been so proud of myself at those moments. So to be able to overcome those moments and to have her there and see me in this new, new light is, is, is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> my mom was there and my sister was there. My sister, my sister is an amazing person. She, like I said on the, on the stories, uh, she came to this country at the same, basically she was 16, I was 15, and she started working to help my mother provide for us. Mm. Uh, Without them, I, I wouldn't be who I am right now. Yeah. So I owe them a lot. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I'm getting very emotional. It's okay. It's okay. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you you and your touch had me crying. So, you know, just, <laughs> just we're, we're all in the same club. We're in the emotional club. It's fine. Um, it seems like, you know, I mean, you've you've lived and you've had so many different experiences Um this word resilience is like, it's getting kind of old. You know, I, I keep hearing it. I use it a lot. Um, but I wonder um, if that's how you would describe yourself or or how would you talk about what keeps you kind of getting through different times that have been difficult in your life? Uh, the idea of, I, don't get me wrong, there have been times where I like I have been so down on my luck that I'm like, this, this is over. It doesn't make any sense to keep going forward. And there were times where I, I contemplated ending my life. Mm. Uh, if it if it wasn't for the thought of the hurt that it was gonna cause my mother, mm. and the hurt that it was gonna cause cause my kids to see me doing that or for me to do that, I would have probably done it. Uh, so it was it was in a sense that the love that I have for the people around me that kept me from doing it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so important. Community and family. Yes. Yeah. Um. Is there anything else you want to say, Nestor? I mean, we've we've talked about so much. Um, anything you would want to share with people listening about your life, your story, um, or your work? 
I want people to know that everyone has a story. Uh, a lot of people, you know, a, a lot of people tell me, um, I wish that I had stories like you, or I don't have stories like you. Like, like I didn't cross the border undocumented, mm-hmm. or, or, uh, or I haven't gone through to experiences like yours. But I had those stories about going to the washroom and washing my hands, and that was the whole story. <laughs> Just washing my hands in the wash. Yeah. Uh, so. You don't have to have a story about, oh, a, a, a plane crashed in the middle of the lake and I swam to the middle of the lake and I rescued 20 people. <laughs> no, it could be a story about, about going to the grocery store. You know, it could be a very simple story. Like I could be telling a story uh, about my problems with my kids that you could feel connected to the story because you're having problems with your kids. There are experiences that connect all of us. So every story is important. Yeah. We want to hear more stories, and we want to we want to build bridges instead of making unnecessary walls. Yes. Nestor, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Nestor Gomez is a poet and the author of Your Driver Has Arrived. You can see him compete in the Moth Grand Slam competition on Saturday, October 7th at the Athenaeum Theater. Also, check out his website, NestorGomezStoryteller.com. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, please rate and review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later. Listener.